Fantastic. Great. Well, welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for your patience. Uh, for those who will watch this recording at some point in the future, uh, my name's Obi Abuchi, and uh, I am delivering this session with uh, Ronke Kukurue. Uh, so you'll get to see her face soon as um, that's spotlighted. Uh, and welcome to our Refresh Conference, uh, Refresh 2022, being hosted by uh, Thames Valley Churches of Christ. And this particular session is Refresh Your Career. Uh, there should have been uh, slides. In fact, there are slides, but because I'm on my phone, my computer has crashed, you won't uh, be able to see the slides. But what I'll do is I'm gonna send the slides out later because there are some, some bits of information that would be pretty useful for you to see. Um, just a little bit of background uh, about me and then uh, Ronke, I'll ask, I'll let you introduce yourself uh, shortly. Um, I am married with a three incredible boys, uh, married to Ronke's sister, actually, uh, uh formerly Ademi Louis, now uh, a very proud Abuchi. Um, and just so you know, uh, I'm Igbo, she's Yoruba, so there's a lot of tension typically between uh, the Yorubas and Igbos, but, uh, but we're Christians, and so that, that heals a lot of that uh, tension. Um, I've been a Christian for 26 years. I am a coach and trainer and author. I run a coaching and training business and very excited about some of the things that I'll, I'll be sharing. I'm going to let Ronke introduce herself now and then we'll dive into what we're planning to share this morning. Thanks, Obi. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to see all of you here. Thanks for jumping in and having conversations while we got things going. So I am married to a wonderful man, Ben, and we have three children, um, 18, 14 and 11, which is unbelievable. And my husband is from the Delta region of Nigeria and Yoruba, and we don't have any issues. So how Obi has said they have issues between, we don't have any, obviously. No, I'm just joking. I've been a Christian for almost 30 years. And even as I say that, I can't quite believe it. But I got baptized the day before my 18th birthday and stopped doing the math, stopped trying to figure out my age because I said oh, almost 30 years, I can see your brains going for it. And I am also a coach and a trainer. I also run a coaching and training business all around equipping and supporting women to speak up with intention. And I'm really grateful that Obi and Gaju asked me to be a part of this conference. I'm so excited and really proud actually of what has come together and feel really grateful that I get to share a little bit of my story and just share a bit of my journey with you all today. So that's me, thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, Ronke. Um, great to be doing this as, as a family, in a sense. Um, now, before we dive in, I've got a, a poll. We've got a poll that we want to uh, just, we want a little bit of interaction with this uh, as we're going through. We've got some things to share, but we also want your input. So I'm going to launch the first poll. 
And it's just, why are you interested in refreshing your career? Because this particular session is refresh your career. So why are you interested in refreshing your career? Uh, answer the question, it should come up on screen. And afterwards, I'll give you an opportunity to uh, see the answers. So uh, it, you should see it on your screen now. It's a multiple choice, so you can answer any question or give any answer that resonates with you. Mm. All right, I can see the answers are coming in. All right. Okay, almost everyone complete. I think just one more. Um, you might be having technical issues or trying to figure out if, uh, if your answer is there. If not, that's okay. I'm going to close it in 10 seconds. All right, so we've had a majority of the answers, so that ends the poll. And I'm going to share the results now so you can see. So you can see there um, we've got 60% want their career to be more fulfilling. Um, no one says they want their career to be more challenging. That's interesting. We'll, we'll come to that. Um, and then 50%, I want my career to be more rewarding, include, including earn more money. Well, you'll definitely want to be in Andy Azilo's session later on where he'll be talking about refresh your finances. And, and then 50% say, I want my career to be more meaningful. All right, so um, closing that. Thank you for uh, answering that. Um, clearly, most people, the reason they want to refresh their career can be multiple things. It's, hey, we want it to be more meaningful. We want more fulfillment. We want to experience more of that passion, more of that job satisfaction. Well, I've got one more poll for you that's uh, quite relevant to this, because if most people want more meaning, more passion, more fulfillment in their career, let's see if you can guess how many people are engaged in the workplace according to a Gallup poll. So I'm gonna launch this poll now. So this was a survey completed by Gallup what percentage of employees are engaged at work? What percentage of employees are engaged at work? This was done about a year, two, two years ago. Um, let's see if, let's see what responses we've got. Okay, so again, the answers are coming in pretty thick and fast. Okay, we have all the answers in. Brilliant. Thank you for that. That was pretty quick this time. Okay, I'm going to share the results. So, um, 
50, 30% said 55% of employees are engaged at work. So we've got a very optimistic uh, group here. 30% um, said 15% uh, are engaged at work and a majority have gone for the classic, hey, here's a multiple choice, uh, or well, actually one correct answer. And I'm gonna go for the one in the middle. That sounds about right, 35%. So I'm gonna stop sharing. And believe it or not, the answer is 15%. 15%, according to the Gallup poll, a billion people in the workforce, 15% are engaged. Now, for the incredible mathematicians in the room, we know that means 85% of people in the workplace aren't happy or engaged at work. And why, why is that? I don't know, <laughs> but what we, what Ronke and I want to do though, is we want to, in the next um, 25 minutes, we want to share two ideas with you that will help you with this goal, this desire to have more fulfillment, uh, more meaning, more rewarding experience in the workplace. Just before that, I want to share a story with you. Some of you might be familiar with the ancient version of this story, but this is a contemporary version of the story. A business owner was leaving for a long time on a trip and brought three of his best employees in to run all he owned while away. To one, he gave four million, another, he gave two million, and the third, he gave 600,000 pounds, and they were to manage this amount while he was gone. He came back um, eventually and had a debrief with each of the employees, and the first one had managed the, the money wisely, doubled the wealth, and so the business owner gave her eight million pounds worth of shares and half of the company to oversee. Uh, the second uh, employee came in and he had managed wisely and doubled the wealth and the, the business owner gave him four million pounds worth of shares and a quarter of the company to oversee. Now, the third employee happened to be really afraid, um, just was so scared of losing the wealth. So he hid it. He hid it the entire time, did nothing with it. So I'm going to hide this money. Didn't want to lose a penny. It's like, I'm not risking nothing. I don't want to lose a penny. When the business owner comes back, I'm going to give them every single bit of that 600,000 pounds. You might be thinking, okay, well, surely the business owner was happy, right? COVID might have happened, all sorts of things. None of that money lost. But actually, the business owner took the money, gave it to the first employee, and then sacked that employee from his company. Some of you might be familiar, as I said, with the ancient version of this story. Um, it's uh, a parable in the Bible 
known as the parable of the talent. What's really interesting is when we think about these three characters is we all, and, and just based on the poll that you all completed at the start, we all want to do work that is fulfilling. We even want to do work that is challenging, although no one in this group uh, opted for that. We want to do work that is rewarding. We want to do work that is meaningful. But sometimes something gets in the way. Or some things get in the way. And sometimes that something is us. It's what we're thinking. It's how we view our work. It's how we view the workplace. It's how we view our employees. It's how we view the marketplace. And so, as I said, two ideas that Ronke and I want to share with you. There are so many things that we could, but we just want to focus on two ideas. And two ideas are about unleashing the power of purpose and unleashing the power of permission. So in your life, if you want to have this incredibly fulfilling career, meaningful career, rewarding career, then we want to encourage you to unleash the power of purpose and unleash the power of permission. I'm going to talk about the power of purpose. Ronke is going to talk about the power of permission, and then we'll open it up for some Q&A uh, conversations. And we're also going to respond uh, briefly to what each other uh, says. Uh, just to introduce you to the power of purpose, I'd like to tell you another story. Uh, this is about me this time. And a bit of my journey to uh, uncovering purpose in my life and discovering the power of that purpose. W when I was seven years old, uh, I was born, we, I was born in the UK, got an older sister and, and my mom and aunt and uh, cousins all decided to move back to Nigeria. And we happened to go back by ship because um, they knew we were disappointed to be leaving the UK. They decided to make a holiday of it. And we went back by ship and on the ship, so I'm seven, and on the ship, we, we got to watch a film called Return to Eden. Now, this film was set in outback Australia. There was a, a very wealthy family. Uh, the, the guy had a, a daughter. The daughter was engaged to be married to this man who was a washed out tennis player. They ended up getting married and the man was only interested in her for her money. So very early on in the movie, he throws her into a crocodile-infested swamp, uh, leaves her for dead uh, so that he could run off with um, her best friend. Now, I know what you're thinking. Obi, should you have been watching a film like that when you were seven? Uh, and I probably shouldn't have. Anyway, um, this crocodile almost mauls the lady to death. And suddenly this uh, older guy comes, shoots the... Uh, crocodile gets her into his boat and takes her away and, and he, he does what he, he can to help nurse her back. But of course, he's, he's not a doctor, so there's only so much he could do. He ends up giving her some money and sending her off to a local clinic. And at this clinic, she meets uh, a doctor who performs plastic surgery on her. And the doctor transforms her into someone who's incredibly confident. She ends up setting up a modeling agency 
um, doing incredibly well in her career, getting revenge on her husband at the end of the movie, as they often do. Um, but I'm a seven-year-old watching this film that I probably shouldn't have been watching, but I remember seeing what the doctor did to the lady. And at a, as a seven-year-old, I said to myself, I want to do that. Because what I saw the doctor do was transform this lady, not only through the surgery, but just some of the conversations they had into someone who was confident. And in my seven-year-old mind, I said, doctors bring out the best in people. I want to do that. And so for 11 years, I was focused on nothing else but becoming a doctor. I thought maybe I'll be a plastic surgeon or maybe I'll be the first doctor to find a cure for, for AIDS or cancer or, or all sorts of things. And in the end, um, I didn't. I applied to various medical schools. I had interviews at, at Cambridge, at King's College and uh, Queen Mary Westfield and St. George's Hospital uh, all here in the UK. And they all said no, <laughs> they didn't let me in. And I got feedback from uh, some of them and they said, Obi's not interested in, in science. And I was livid, I was like, what are you talking about? For 11 years, I've been focused on nothing else. I've shadowed doctors at Charing Cross Hospital. I've, I, I, I've just, this is what I wanna do. And I remember standing outside the office of uh, the Dean of Medical Studies at Queen Mary Westfield. And I thought, I'm going to barge into his office and say, you are making a mistake. You need to let me in. This is what I want to do. And I was standing outside his office and, and I just asked myself this question. Obi, can you absolutely say hand on heart, this is what you want to do for the rest of your life? Because if it is, you barge in there, you throw his desk off and you tell him what's what. Um, but I, I couldn't, I, I wasn't sure. I was suddenly feeling conflicted. And then, so I walked away and then for a period, I was a little bit lost because I thought, well, I've been focused on this for 11 years. And now I, I haven't, all of the medical schools have said no. And their, their feedback to me is they don't think OB is interested in science. What, what am I going to do? And so I ended up studying engineering with management um, at King's College University. Um, and then I fell in love with a degree or with a course called um, organizational behavior, which was all about how people are motivated and Hertzberg's theory and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I reconnected with the passion that I found when I was seven years old, because actually I wasn't interested in science. They were perfectly right. What I was interested in was people and bringing out the best in people. And I, I just locked onto the fact that it was a doctor that did that in that situation. But I think now on reflection, I would have been a terrible GP because I'd have been one of those. I certainly, I'd have probably been kicked out because I'd have been one of those that wouldn't have been able to stick to the seven minute rule or whatever the, 
GPs have these days, I'd have sat down and said, hey, sit down, let me analyze your life. Let's just figure out how we can optimize it, how we can bring out the best in you. And they'd say, okay, that's not what it's about. Just prescribe them the drugs, get them out there and move on to the next patient. And so in the end, after studying um, engineering with management and going into an engineering degree, but then reconnecting with this incredible course, organizational behavior, after working as an engineer for about 18 months, um, I moved out of engineering into um, business, uh, well, project management, then business management, and then eventually into uh, consulting, uh, organizational development and change management all driven by this, this sense of purpose that the seed had been planted when I was seven and it was a journey of discovering. It was a journey of discovering this sense of purpose. And that purpose, as I describe it today, really is about bringing out the best in people, but particularly leaders. Now, I, I wish I could have shown you um, this visual, but I'm going to describe it um, now, and then I'll, I'll make sure that it's sent out with the slides. In, in Japan, they've got a concept called ikigai. And ikigai, it's a Japanese concept, meaning a reason for being. It's all about purpose. And it's the connection of four elements. And those four elements are what do you love? What do you love? And for me, it was just this love for developing people and bringing out the best in people. The second um, uh, element is, what are you good at? That, that, you that you have a flair for, that you've got a skill, you've got an aptitude, you've got a um, just incredible knack for. And of course, the organizational behavior course that I did at university was one of my top ones, ended up getting a first in, in that in particular, um, and then developed a, a passion and, and a skill and an aptitude for speaking and training and coaching. And then the, the third concept is what, what does the world need? So the first one is what do you love and what are you good at? And then the third is what does the world need? Does the world need better leaders? Does the world need more engaged employees? Absolutely. And so I found, all right, this is really coming together. And then finally, the final element of this uh, Ikigai concept is what can you be paid for? Brilliant. Roland just said he's found the, the image online. It's, it's fantastic. Um, if you could put that into, the, if you could put a, the URL into the chat for everyone else, and they could um, have a look at that as well. Uh, so the, the fourth element is what can you be paid for? Um, organizations spend trillions on uh, leadership development, on people development, organizational development. So for me, it was without a doubt something that um, not only the world needs, but, but there's a, a demand for it. There is a market for it. Those four things coming together, what you love, what the world needs, what you are good at, and what you can be paid for, they combine to, to form the ikigai, which is all about your purpose. You love it, you're good at it, 
the world needs it, you can be paid for it. That's an incredible purpose. And the, the thing about purpose is when you discover your purpose, when you discover that thing that you love, you discover that thing that you are good at, that you are passionate about, and people want to pay for it, there is an energy that comes with it in terms of your creativity, in terms of your passion, in terms of your drive. Um, since I moved into the world of consulting and organizational development, I've written two books, um, co-authored a third book, uh, which uh, came out uh, last year. And all because at, at seven years old, there was a seed sown in my heart about just that beginning of a purpose, beginning of something that I loved. And in the short story that I shared, just giving you a bit of a flavor of my own uh, journey, there have absolutely been ups and downs. But the thing that has enabled me to continue to move forward and continue to stay excited about what I'm doing is holding on to my, my purpose. Um, I'm going to get uh, Ronke to share the second uh, idea, which is the power of permission. Um, Ronke, over to you. Anything you want to say before you uh, kick off? Thanks so much, Obi. Um, yeah, I love hearing you speak. And I'm, I, I've got a really serious question that I, I feel like you need to answer because I think it's really important for um, our listeners to just hear why it was. I know you mentioned, but why were you watching that film at seven years old? That's the only <laughs> question I have for you. But no, on a more serious note, Obi, I'm curious for those people, I feel like there's some of us who that whole Ikigai concept in terms of something that we found that we love, but nobody, we found nobody who's willing to pay for that. How do we reconcile those two elements? I could love singing in the middle of, you know, it could just be anything, but nobody wants to pay me. So how do I move forward? So before I share, I'd love for you just to be able to answer that, please. Thanks, Ronke. Great question. Which one? The first one or the second question? <laughs> well, answer the first one. And that is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's such a great point, right? It's I, I'm passionate about it, but um, do people want to pay me for it? One of the things that I love chatting with my boys about, and sometimes when I'm speaking, I chat with audience about, is the X factor um, principle. So there are so many people, right, and we've all seen it, that they go on to X Factor and they think, man, I am the next Mariah Carey, I am the next <laughs> Jay-Z. Um, Simon, I mean, to be honest, even before I sing, I think you might as well just say you're in because I, I really think I've got it. Um, and there's, there's this important... Um, principle of just objectivity and just because we're excited about it and just because we think we're good at it doesn't necessarily mean that it offers value to the world and so it's so important to have people trusted people um, objective people around you who can give you uh, some input on how valuable one that skill or passion it is that you have and how much of a need there is for it um, in the market uh, right so th there's a bit of a journey to discovering um 
if the market actually needs it, um, if it is valuable. So, um, and there's more that could be said on that, but that, that's what I'd say for now. Just bear in mind that exact principle. Brilliant. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so now Over I'm going to be sharing all about the power of permission. And I'm going to invite all of you, Achiobi has just shared all this incredible stuff about us finding our purpose and this Ikigai concept. And I want to invite you to actually just pause and to feel free to even close your eyes because I want to ask you a few questions that I want you to really just try and engage with and to get into that spirit of thinking about the answers to these questions. And I doubt that you'll be able to figure out all of the answers now, but just to give you a sense of what could the answers to these questions be? So feel free to just take a pause, take a deep breath. Feel free to close your eyes, as I said, while I ask you these questions. What would it be like for you if you gave yourself permission to pursue any dream? To have that scary conversation to find a new job, what would that feel like for you? For you to move forward in that space, whose permission do you feel like you are seeking? What's keeping you from seeking that permission? And finally, how can you give yourself permission, even today, just to move forward? Is there a conversation to be had? Is there a dream to allow yourself to begin to envision? Is there a prayer that needs to be said? What's possible if you just begin to give yourself permission? I want to share a little bit. Feel free to open your eyes and just to come back into this space because I would love to share a little bit about my own life's journey, my own story. And I hope that as I share it, it gives you a sense of what is possible when we actually stop and pause and give ourselves permission to try something new. So for as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a lawyer. Some of you will know that both my parents were lawyers, and so I grew up roaming around the house in my mum's wig and gown, convinced that that was what was in my future. I did really well in the subjects that meant that I could go on to be a lawyer, the histories, the literatures, the English language, and mostly everywhere I went, people would say, this one, she's going to be a lawyer. Yes, this is a lawyer here in the making. And so forever, that was the plan. My parents had incredible dreams for my life in terms of the law. My dad said to me that he envisaged me becoming this fierce advocate and doing that and going on to become like the equivalent of a QC and really just transforming spaces that I was in because of my, um, because of my career as a lawyer. I then went on to marry Ben. Those of you who know Ben know that Ben's very committed and he's been very, very supportive 
of my journey. And when we got married, that was the dream for me to continue in my pursuit of the law and for us to, you know, live life and for me to be doing my career, him doing his own thing. The law was very firmly part of my story, part of the story of, the, of our lives that we were building together. And then a few years ago, I started to feel a little bit restless, so to speak, in my career as a lawyer. I had qualified as a barrister. I had gone on to become a solicitor. And I got to a point where I started to feel like, oh my goodness, I'm not sure that this is what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. I was in a role that I felt didn't stimulate me, didn't inspire me. I would come home after work feeling quite guilt-ridden because I felt like I'd spent more time chatting to people in the office and doing a bit of the work, but chatting more to people in the office, having a great time, connecting, wanting to hear about people's lives and journeys and stories, and doing a little bit of the work and chatting some more. And I got to a point where I thought, God, I'm not bringing honor to your name by the way that I'm living, but I feel really stuck. I feel really, really stuck. I don't know that I want to keep doing this. So it was a year's contract and the lady who I was covering for had gone off on maternity leave. And as the time drew nearer for her to return, my boss had asked me, so what do you want to do? Any other opportunities you want to look into? And always I felt like I needed to say yes. I needed to say yes to the next opportunity because that's what was done. That's what I was. I was a lawyer and I needed to just keep finding legal roles. And then I wish I could say there was one specific day where, you know, there was thunder and there was lightning and I felt or heard this really clear voice saying, okay, no, this is the path you should go on. But it wasn't like that. It was just this restlessness in my soul that continued to build and build and build. Until one day I thought, what if, Bronke, what if you could do something different? And it was so scary to even consider that thought. I'm a lawyer. That's what I am. My parents have invested. Ben has invested. I've invested. Surely, Bronke, you can't walk away from any of that now. I also got some comfort, I must say, from telling people that I was a lawyer. It felt good to say that I was a lawyer. And I thought, wow, I don't know if I'm ready to give that one up too. But the restlessness was evident. And I felt like there was a part of me that was feeling suffocated and stifled that I could no longer ignore. But the problem was also, I didn't know what else I could do. I was just a lawyer, right? What else could I begin to pursue? I remember sharing my CV with a, a wonderful sister, actually, who was going to help me to look for a job. And she looked at me, she said, Ronke, your CV is so, so loyally. And I'm like, yes, I know, because that's all I've done. There's nothing else to it. But then she approached her employer who was looking to um, find somebody to come in and do a little management role, quality management role. And this sister literally convinced her boss to take me on for this four-month contract. I remember leaving the interview and speaking to Ben on the phone and saying, oh, I've got this job. I'm going to be doing something different. I'm really excited. And he asked me, he said, what are you going to be doing? What does it entail? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I just know that she got me the job. 
because by that time I had started to think about what was possible. What was possible if I just started to look outside the box of the law? People had said to me, but you could try commercial law. You could try company law. You could try all these different areas of law. But I knew that the amount of energy that I needed to move from one area of law to another, I discovered was the same amount of energy that I needed to move from the law to anything else that was out there. But what I discovered was that more than going on this journey of trying to figure out what was possible, I realized that so much of what kept me stuck was that I felt I needed permission. Permission from who I'm, this 40-year-old woman, who do I possibly need permission from to change my career? And I discovered that I felt like I needed permission from my parents who had invested time and money and effort into this career that they had visions for me for my future. I felt like I needed permission from Ben who had invested and been so supportive in my journey. He'd invested time and energy and childcare and money and everything to enable me to get to where I needed to get to. But ultimately, I realized that I felt like I needed permission from myself. And that was a really difficult one to get over because I felt like I needed, I, I needed to give myself permission to even begin to think outside of this box that I had placed myself in. And that journey led me to a whole new world, discovery of all sorts. I started a Montessori course. I thought, surely I'm going to open up a Montessori nursery. And then again, bought the books and we were on this journey together. And then I realized that actually, I don't know that I want to do that. And again, I felt like, oh, that's a bit of a failure. You raise hopes here and it's not quite happening. And again, I felt like I needed permission to try again to try and figure out what is it? What is this Ikigai thing? Who is going to pay me to do what I'm excited about, what I know I'm good at, what people have affirmed me on? How on earth is it going to even be made possible? It's been a journey, it really has been. It's not been this once and for all, you know, done and dusted. It's been a journey of constantly having to give myself permission to say yes to new opportunities, to say yes to scary things, even scary things that don't have to do with career, but even being willing to give myself permission to ask for what I need. And last year was quite significant for me. It was my birthday. Um, my birthday is a week to Christmas. And so often for anybody else who has a December birthday knows the feeling of it just kind of get mixed up into Christmas. And it's like, Merry Christmas. Oh, and happy birthday. I hope it was great. And I felt like for a long time, I'd never really celebrated in a way. I can see Maurice giving me the thumbs up. I know he's a December child too, but I really felt like I want to be celebrated. I want to feel acknowledged on my birthday. I want to feel seen and for it not to be about Christmas. I mean, Jesus, I love you and it's all about you, but I want to feel like my birthday is special too. And I remember saying to a group of friends who we were meeting around my birthday, these are people who are really close to me, but even with them, I felt like I need to give myself permission to ask to feel celebrated. And that was really hard, but I did it. 
I said, guys, I know we're meeting up to celebrate life on Christmas and the end of the year, but actually, can we make it about celebrating me? And that was a real pivotal point for me as well in this journey of permission, because everybody was excited about doing that. But I realized that for so often, for such a long time, I just kind of been like, yes, it's all good. It's OK. And that has really, really helped me to grow. So I want to ask you, what is it that you need to give yourself permission to do? What are you waiting for? Who do you feel like you are waiting to get permission from? For some of us, it becomes an excuse. And I can say that because that's what it became for me. It became an excuse not to put my foot out of my comfort zone. It became an excuse just to remain safe and to not step out because it, it was scary. It's more comfortable to just keep doing what I've always done. What can you do today to begin to make a difference? And so now in the work that I do, I'm constantly encouraging women to give themselves permission. And here, the men as well, give yourselves permission to even begin to think of what is possible. Start building those muscles with the small things. Permission to laugh out loud. Some of us, we want to laugh, but we're constrained by what other people think about us. I can see you laughing already. I remember somebody looking at me with a really strange look once when I was laughing heartily. And I'm sure some of you are like, yes, Ronke, I understand why they were looking at you strangely because of how you laugh. But honestly, even giving yourself permission to show up as you, give yourself permission to make mistakes, give yourself permission to try again. Because when you understand that in failing, you're not a failure, you are experimenting, you are learning, then you really begin to see the magic in pursuing your dreams and your goals. I'm going to finish off by reading a poem, which I'm sure many of you have heard, but I feel like it really resonates with my own journey. And it's a poem by Marion Williamson, and it says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? I mean, who gave me permission to do all of these things? Actually, are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence and our, and our permission automatically liberates others. Go give yourselves permission to begin to grow into the best version of yourselves. Thank you.
Toby, over to you. Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, Ronke. Um, that, that's incredible. I, I know you said you mostly speak to women, but I tell you now for, for nothing that every single man um, needs that as well. I know yeah. sometimes stereotypically men wear sort of, hey, crazy go-getters and all of that, but there are still things that we need permission, need to give ourselves permission to do. I remember with my first book, I had so many books on the bookshelf. I was reading all of the, the best from Stephen Covey and all of that. And then when I'm writing it, I remember thinking to myself, Booby, who do you think you are? Yeah. Not just what trying to write a book. Please just stick to your day job, right? And and it's but but it, but it's scary when we yeah. want to refresh our career, whether we want to go for promotion, we wanna mm. we wanna do something different, we wanna take on new skills. It's there's a part of our mind that says, well, who do you think you are? Right? That person's better than you or they're better than you or they've got it. And, and so um, you've, you've spoken to something that I know is relevant for me um, too. So thank you for that. Um, I'm just going to wrap up because the next class starts in four minutes. And um, unfortunately, because of the tech issues, we, we weren't able to start this one on time. But just to reinforce the two messages that we've shared, um, I shared with you at the start of this class, the contemporary version of the parable of the talent. We've all got incredible potential within us. Sometimes what gets in the way of us unleashing that potential in, in our career, current career, future career, potential career, whatever the case may be, is ourselves. We get in the way. And so our encouragement to you is apply that Ikigai concept, right? Discover your purpose. What is it you're passionate about? And connect with what, is, what, are, there, what are the needs in the market? And, and what are you good at? And, and draw, as Ronke did, on all of the great friends around that have um, uh, just connected with um, or, or know us, you know, just draw on, on that. And give yourself permission. You know, the incredible thing about the story, the parable of the talent, is the master, the owner, that doesn't say, here's how you need to do it. We are given incredible freedom, incredible flexibility to apply our own creativity to it. So give yourself permission to try, give yourself permission to get it wrong, but uh, give yourself permission to be the best you that you possibly can be. Um, I put our email addresses in the chat. If you've got any questions that you want to ask, follow up on, we'd be more than happy to chat. Um, we apologize that we didn't have enough time for uh, Q&A, um, but we also obviously want to respect that the next class starts shortly. So we want to give people um, space to go and enjoy those. So thank you everyone for joining in and being part of the poll at the start as well and for listening and we wish you an amazing 2022 and a phenomenal career ahead thanks so much obi and ronke it really touched my heart it was really really helpful thank you so much oh, you're welcome thanks everyone thanks guys see ya see you soon bye sandra i see your hand
<laughs> Thank you both. <laughs> I should stop recording. <laughs>